0: 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Hello, and welcome back to Think This Way, the podcast of Faith Bible Church. As always, I am one of the pastor elders here. My name is Bryce. Not as always, but often. I have with me another pastor elder here, Justin Geyer. Thanks for being with us, Justin. Oh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, we were joking before that if we ever talk about controversial things, I have you on here, Justin, (laughs) (laughs) you're our controversialist, (laughs) Uh, but we are talking about something a little bit controversial today and we need to talk about it because this quarter we've been focused on the Holy Spirit. We've talked about who the Holy Spirit is in this podcast. We've talked about just recently continuationism, cessationism, and so forth, um, When we talk about continuationism, which if you listen to the last episodes, it is a view that certain of the revelatory and sign gifts in the early church that we find in Acts and 1 Corinthians are still fully operative today, and depending on your flavor of continuationism, should be practiced in the local church today, that is a view that we do not hold at Faith Bible Church. We are what's called cessationist, and I won't get into that because we already talked about that but we believe that some of those gifts have ceased in their regular operation in the church. Now, the reason we're talking about these gifts is because the Holy Spirit is the one who's presented in Scripture uniquely as giving us these gifts. They're spiritual gifts. And so when we operate in any gifts, either so-called gifts or real gifts that we're operating in, we are communicating something about the Holy Spirit, saying he's the one who gave us this, he's the one doing this through us. So if tongues are for today, we're saying the Spirit's doing that. If they're not, we're saying he's not doing that. The fact is that among those who believe the gifts are still for today, including tongues, prophecy, interpretation of tongues, healing, and miracles as gifts, there are the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, to put it frankly, There are some continuationists who we would align with so much in so many things and would have just this disagreement about some of the gifts and their operation, but we would have so much alignment. We are going to talk about those people next week, me and Mike. We'll talk about those next week. But we brought Justin in as our controversialist because we do want to acknowledge the elephant in the world, actually, it's not just in the room, it's all over. And that is charismatic, continuationist appeals to tongues and prophecies and miracles. Uh, There are many, many claims made that the Holy Spirit is doing things that we just don't think he is doing today. And sometimes in there are excesses and errors that are very serious, sort of malignings of the Spirit can happen. And it's a real concern for anyone who loves the glory of God. So, this episode is not against absolutely anyone who thinks tongues is for today, because we're going to talk next week that there are some who are very restrained and thoughtful, but hold that view. God bless them. But what we want to talk about today are those who are not restrained and who can cause some even serious damage. So we've titled this episode Running Down the Isles, and you'll probably see why here shortly. I wanted to start, though, with you, Justin, because uh, for whatever reason, Justin, you get around. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just feel like for as many experiences as I've not had holed up in my room reading books, you've had, you know, you've done just about everything. I feel like when we talk about stuff, you've traveled, missionary parents, and And all of this. So I thought I would just start by asking, Justin, have you personally experienced any of what we call, quote-unquote, the bad or the ugly of continuationism or the charismatic movement? Have you seen people attribute what we would consider foolishness, really, to the Holy Spirit?
1: Well, uh, yeah, as a pilot. I've traveled a lot, but I don't know that I've, I, I actually throughout my life, I haven't had a ton of uh, experience with some, the charismatic movement or had a ton of, um, or even really, I would even say a lot of experience with this, but I, two specific instances come to mind. Uh, number one, I was, um, around high school age. I had a job and I was working, worked for a company and we were in this warehouse. And when I walk, was walking through the warehouse, there was Christian music playing from a speaker somewhere. And I heard that and, you know, how sometimes you walk around and you hear music and you don't, it doesn't really click that what you're listening to is something that you recognize or that it's Christian or uh, something like that. And, and it was All of a sudden I noticed it. And I said, Oh my goodness, that's great. That's neat. I didn't realize this business was a Christian business, or they you know, they they would listen to something like that. And then I saw the man working back there and I started up a conversation and just talking about that. And he says, Oh, so you've got the Holy Spirit. And I thought that was an odd question. And I said, Yes, I have the Holy Spirit. I'm a I'm a believer. And he says, So you speak in tongues? And I said, no, I thought that was an odd question too. And I said, no, I, I don't speak in tongues. He says, oh, I'm so sorry for you. You don't have the Holy Spirit. And, uh, Ouch. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know how to respond to that. And that was really like my first experience with somebody that would think that way. And I, and I, I'm not even sure how the conversation went after that. It was just a little bit shocking. So uh, there was that. And and I thought, you know, that after, like, as time has gone on, I've thought through that, and I thought, like, how I would respond. And it was a missed opportunity, but I think I was just totally uninitiated. I, I didn't have any experience with that. I, I didn't really exactly know what was going on there. Um, my other experience that's a little more on this bad or ugly of continuationism was uh, – if you've heard the podcast when I first came on and I told about how I met my wife, we we met in a, a Bible study that would meet um, during the week. Uh, there was one day of the week and there is about college age. Typically, there were a few young adults out of college there. And in this group, there were probably about 60, 70, 80 of us. I'm not sure. It was a p- pretty big group of people. And uh, we would meet once a week and we'd sing songs and we'd fellowship together and somebody would come and bring a it was almost like a church service, really. Somebody would would give kind of a study there. Maybe it was like preaching. I'm not sure, but but it was it was a good time and it was wonderful. And and I remember we were having an event that I think was around Christmas time because it kind of had this the the feeling was more of just like a uh, a little more worshipful. I think that I think kind of we had some the lights were a little bit lower and maybe some candlelight or something. Because so I think I think that was the the setting for this event that we were together. And during one of the songs, there was a female standing next to me, and all of a sudden she started moving very odd and started speaking in what they called tongues. Um, I didn't understand anything. It was gibberish. It was not a language. Um, It was just like sounds and utterances and things. And, And then somebody came in, stood next to her, and she then like fell down. And so they helped her up and walked out. And I remember that was so shocking to me. I did not know what just happened. And so we had a conversation, the friend, my friends like later. And I, the thing that we were talking about, was like, if that was tongues, then we needed to have an interpreter. Someone needed to n- interpret for us. If we didn't understand someone and there was n- n- none of that happened. The next week we got together, nobody said anything about it. She was there. And it was just like, that was it. And I felt like, if that was what that was supposed to be, if that was supposed to be speaking in tongues, that gave me no benefit, and I didn't see anyone else that received benefit from it. And so I think there, those were things that I... Uh, two experiences, I don't have a lot, um, but, I, but I think in both those cases, that was just a misunderstanding, uh, a, a wrong view of how uh, that should work and how the Holy Spirit uh, should operate. And, and I think that was... Um, I think that was where I, I saw that there was there can be real trouble in the view
0: of how the Holy Spirit operates. Yeah, yeah and, and we didn't plan it this way, but those are an excellent two examples to use because if we were to separate further into the bad and the ugly, I feel like those are two examples where you have on the one hand, you know, the woman convulsing and supposedly speaking in tongues. We probably categorize under bad. You know, it didn't do any lasting damage other than some confusion. Right. There's it was just like, you know, distraction, whatever was going on, certainly going to be a distraction. But that was the end of it. Whereas the other case, because it is a, a view held by many in the Pentecostal movement, that if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Right. So are you even a believer? Right. That would, I would, I would categorize that more as the ugly. Thankfully, you had the theology and were able to work through that. But someone who's a young believer... And you just hear like, "Oh, you don't even have the Holy Spirit." (laughs) Go home and think about that. You know, right? (laughs) Like that's discouraging. So, um, I have a few examples of my own. Again, you know, these are anecdotal. These are just experiences. They're not final in terms of why we we've already discussed why we're cessationists in previous podcasts. These are not final. People could are probably in a podcast somewhere nearby. I'm sure giving examples of bad cessationists, so we're not saying this is a judgment on everybody, but these are real examples. One that I think of has to do with my mom. My mom grew up in a family that had left the Amish, and then uh, after they had left the Amish, they left for good reason, to know God's word, but sadly there was a swing over into the prosperity gospel. And my mom talked about as a child, they would have healers come through, and I believe in healing, I mean, we prayed the other day as elders for someone in the flock to be healed. And we believe that's possible. It's in the Bible. God can heal. So may he heal. I pray all the time for it, and he can do it. But that's different from a healer. You know, this is saying this is a gift the person has, and they can do it at least regularly. Sort of sets them apart. And that was true in the early church. But unfortunately, the healers that would come through for my mom when she was a child, I don't want to be too strong in my language. Let's just say they could they could sell snake oil if they needed to, you know, unfortunately. And she talked about how uh, one healer miraculously healed her as a child by having her sit down and showed her when she sat down, put her legs out, that one leg was a few like an inch bigger than the other, and he healed her so that they were the same. And you know what he's doing is he's just shifting your pelvis, you right. know, so that you're sitting, okay? Yeah. But as a kid, you don't know. So you're like, wow, a healer. I mean- that's ugly. That's that's bad. So there is that example. Um, when my mom got a little bit older in that context, she talks about her experience. She spoke in tongues. But she says what happened was there was just the intense pressure of it. And this might not be everyone's experience, but there she is, the intense pressure. Everyone's speaking in tongues. It's a highly emotional situation. And so she just decides to try to say something. So she just, rabba bada, rabba, you know, whatever. You just start saying, say banana backwards, say whatever, you, you know. And she just acknowledges that was more just a psychological thing. There was no nothing from that, you know. And then finally, and this was maybe the worst part of it, and by the way, I love my mom's family so much. I mean, really do. My grandpa was a believer and a godly man, and but it just shows you the ugliness of some of these views, really. Because my mom, at some point, got very sick and nearly died a couple of times, wasn't able to take in food actually. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was a long drawn out process growing up. And there was at least one time where her family had come and they were talking and her family being in the prosperity gospel. This is one of the ugly fallouts of this false theology, uh, that you should be able to be healed was that they told her, you know, in no uncertain terms, you're not healed because you don't have enough faith. That's an ugly thing, you know, that's Job's friends. That's Eliphaz, you know, hey, shape up and you'll be healed. Uh, And I don't know all the impact that had on my mom. She's gracious. I'm sure she forgave them, dealt with that. But that's painful, you know, from your own family. So those are some of the bad and ugly that I've even just heard through my mom. I have one other one, and this would not be the ugly, okay? This one's just the bad. And it was more just someone I felt bad for at the time. It's all worked out fine. But Michaela and I have a friend. We love her so much. I can't even express how much we love her. And she's great, and God uses her so much. So if she happened to ever to hear this, this is not negative in any way. But we really felt for her because I do remember there was a time years ago she was single and she was uh, dating a guy. I don't know if they were dating or she wanted to be dating. I'm not sure. But um, she, she had her heart really set on this guy. And, and he was a believer, you know, but he wasn't certain about the relationship. And so when we would talk with her, you know, she was really wrestling, trying to be content, but just struggling. And I remember her sharing, at least on one occasion, how in her, you know, she randomly opens the Bible or in her morning Bible reading, this verse, don't remember which one, but just she comes to this verse and takes it, not in its base meaning, but maybe a word or two from it, and how those confirmed that this guy is meant for her, you know, like this is confirmation from God. Right. Well, today, this friend of ours is happily married to a different guy. (laughs) And it's wonderful. It's a great blessing. And, um, you know, again, she, she was full of sincerity in it. But I thought even at the time, like, how much confusion that can cause when you think the Holy Spirit is doing that. You know, he's leading you through this Bible verse, this word here. And it really just, it keeps you from being able to just step back and make a wise decision. Thankfully, it worked out really great for her anyways. So... Those are some experiences, just experiences of some of the bad and ugly of continuationism in its worst forms. But I want to now take a step back and ask on a more general level over to you, Justin, really, what are some of the dangers of the errors and excesses of, we'll just say, the charismatic movement?
1: The charismatic movement plays on emotion, and so we're led by this emotion that. If whatever that feeling is, then the Holy Spirit is doing that, and so maybe I'm not explaining that very well. But I, but I think that yeah, when you see people in the charismatic movement, they are what they would say is being led by the spirit or being, they're doing these things that oftentimes, uh, I think we've, we've talked about this uh, in, when we talked about the Holy spirit being part of creation, that there is order and there is, it it takes, makes order out of chaos. It doesn't go the opposite and take order and make it chaotic. And I think when you see the charismatic movement, it, it is very chaotic. It doesn't, makes sense I, I I look at this, I see some of the things they do some for some reason, some of these things come up in social media I'm like, oh, watch this video or whatever, and it's this these wild things in churches, and I think what is that doing what's the purpose of that um, and i don 't think there is a purpose the, the the what they're doing in that movement. I think the other thing that you can see in the charismatic movement is it is um, quite often tied to the prosperity gospel, and that is um Evil. I think. I think when you see that, if you just give this amount of money, God will benefit in this way. If you just think, pray hard enough, and have enough faith, like you talked about with your mom, you know, and then then these things will happen for you. God will bless you in this way or that way. And I I think those are so tied together that it it leads people down a path that is contrary to the gospel and what leads to hopelessness um and i think our holy spirit the holy spirit part of the trinity our our god is a god of hope not hopelessness um and so if if we're supposed to be doing these things that he tells us to do and we can't do them um then we have we don't have hope and now we we start to doubt whether there is a god and whether we're the chosen ones or whatever the case may be and it it
0: it leads contrary to what the gospel says. Um, and that's emotion and hope, especially that emotion piece is significant in two ways. One, because we were just talking with a, a good friend of ours. I won't say her name. You all know her. We love her so much. And she was talking about how on Sunday mornings, she wants to raise her hand to worship. You know, yeah. And I've done that in the past. I remember there's a time in my walk. I was in the front aisle. I was in high school, I think maybe college, and I just felt like, I just want to raise my hand in worship. But nobody does. You know, a faith Bible, you know, we've got our hands down, real down <laughs> low, you know. It's it's cultural. It's cultural. But, uh, you know, it really wants to raise a hand. Now, I will say about the charismatic movement, and we'll talk more about this next week, it's a strength and a weakness. Because the strength is that there is m- certainly more of an embrace of emotion. Sure. And that's a good thing. You know, I got to say that for next week. But that, that really is a good thing. And in our cultural environment, that's how I kind of view the way we worship at Faith Bible. I mean, I'm worshiping from the heart. I'm really feeling it. But you wouldn't know it, seeing the back of my head, maybe, you know, because I don't have my hands up. And the New Testament doesn't say you have to put your hands up, but also that you can. And I think in a charismatic church, you'd feel much more comfortable if you really wanted to worship openly and expressively. You feel a hundred times more comfortable in that church than you would at Faith Bible. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to raise your hand, please just do it.
1: You can. You can. We, we are not anti-emotion. No, so I, not Yeah, I want to be real careful when yeah, I say yeah. that. We just want to be very clear that we're not being led by our emotions. So mm-hmm. uh, God is a God of emotions. We, we read throughout Scripture that He has emotion and He experiences emotion, and so we experience emotion. And, and so... We should, and we yeah. can, but being led by our emotions is the
0: problem. And your point is completely valid, because that's the other side. So it's a strength of the charismatic movement and an immense weakness, Yeah, unfortunately. I think of a guy I was sharing the gospel with. He was very lost, quite thoroughly lost, In sharing the gospel with him, meeting with him. And he went to a church. He just visited a church nearby, came back, and we were talking about it, and he said, there's a guy playing the piano, like this guy could play the piano, playing it just like, and he said, and I got chills. And I went to the piano player after I told him, man, you play that, I had chills. And the piano player said, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I really don't. I really think that was emotion. Yeah, yeah and emotion's great. great, but that is a temptation. It's just you equate it. If there's emotion, it's the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, then the equation is if there's not emotion, if I'm not feeling excited, Holy Spirit's not there, right. and that's such an immense danger. Now, if you're listening to this, it's possible that you come from a background that is more charismatic in its flavor. I hope it was, a, as we'll talk about next week, good charismatic experience, but it may be that you've experienced and even participated in bad expressions of what you've considered to be the work of the Holy Spirit that maybe was just emotion. Or maybe you have made that equation in your mind that there has to be an intense emotion for the Holy Spirit to be working. Whatever you thought in the past, may God help us all now by His grace to think this way.